Blog Talk Radio. Quiet, please. Welcome to Rex Sykes Movie Beat, conversations with filmmakers where we discuss everything film and television. Here on Movie Beat, you're going to learn what to do and what not to do when it comes to making movies and TV. We will talk to everyone behind the scenes and in front of the camera, and I'll provide you with guests and the information you're going to want to have, whether you're a filmmaker or a fan. And so now let's move behind the scenes here at Movie Beat. I want to thank everybody for tuning in and listening today. The chat room is open, and our guest today is Patrick Girardi. He's a post-production sound supervisor, sound designer, re-recording mixer. He's worked on lots of movies. He's worked with David Lynch. We're going to talk about his connection with David Lynch, who's one of my favorites. I know he's one of your favorites. But he's worked on a whole host of other things. We're going to talk about creating good sound design and, and, and creating 5.1 and, and uh, a whole host of stuff, so stay tuned. I have a little bit of uh, announcements that I'm going to be making. Uh, you can subscribe to the official Rex Sykes Movie Beat website, which is R-E-X-S-I-K-E-S dot com, by clicking on the RSS feed right there at the website, and that way you'll always be updated to changes in the website. There are new articles that go up. There's new cast and crew listings. There's new blogs. There's new videos. There's new interviews like this one coming up today. See, Movie Beat is really designed to be a resource for you. That's why I connect you up with professionals who are making it happen. So you want to stay tuned, you want to listen to the interviews, you want to check out what's happening at RexSykes.com. That's the Movie Beat website. Uh, if you're listening live, keep in mind that you can friend us, you can make us a favorite, that helps spread the word. And by the way, uh, you can follow us on Twitter. It's RexSykesMovieBT. The last word is abbreviated as RexSykesMovieBT. Follow us. And when you retweet about my guests, when you retweet about the show, it helps spread the word, it helps reach us out further and farther to other people so that they can take advantage of the expertise that is shared on this show on a, on a regular, almost daily basis. So, so uh, I appreciate it when you email about us or put us on your Facebook walls or MySpace or, or share the website and my guest um, links uh, to their interviews by your favorite means. And if you're listening to this as an archive show, keep in mind that there are over 100 other fantastic interviews with professional filmmakers that you're going to want to go and listen to. And you can do that at the interviews blog on RexSykes.com. And keep in mind that the date of the blogs has nothing to do with what's going on. So don't pay attention to the date. Look for the name of the guest that you're interested in. Click on their name and the title of the web page. And then it will open up their biography page, which you're going to want to read to find out about the guest. And then in that biography page is a link to listen. And you can listen live there or you can listen archived. Uh, and they're all available. But you can also subscribe at iTunes to the podcast, and that way you'll always be updated each and every time there's a new show. It'll just be uploaded to your uh, subscription of Rex Sykes Movie Beat, the podcast. Anyway, thanks for your support, for your letters, and for your phone calls, and, and for all of the, the support that you have demonstrated. I uh, want to make one quick announcement. Go to the Hot and Fun blog uh, to find out what's coming up around the world. In my area, the Milwaukee area, tomorrow night is Firestarter Film Festival number 8. It is at 228 South 1st Street, Milwaukee. 
uh, Wisconsin at the Live Art Studios. That's up on the third floor from 6 until 12 p.m. It's a, a filmmaker networking uh, event. Uh, short films are shown. Uh, producers, directors, writers, actors, musicians, everyone gets together and has a really good time. So be sure to attend Firestarter Films. My guests who are coming up, I will talk more about later in the show, but for now, I want to turn my attention to Patrick Girardi. He's a pioneer in using digital workstation in sound editing and mixing films. He's a well-established sound supervisor, a re-recording mixer in the film industry with over 330 film credits to his name, and that was when I put the bio up, I believe, last year. Uh, from music engineer to sound editor, he started to work as a freelance dialogue editor, and he quickly became renowned for his professionalism and knowledge of digital technology. He um, has done tons of stuff. He was nominated and won the MPSE Awards for shows such as Tales from the Crypt, Zine of the Warrior Princess, and many others. Um, sometime in 1994, while mixing Now and Then, which was produced by Demi Moore, the studio uh, that he was working was upgraded with a new digital editing system, which also allowed sound mixing within a software called Pro Tools. And from that day on, the possibilities became endless, and Patrick never went back to using analog outboard gear and traditional mixing consoles. So we're going to find out all about this and much, much more. I'm going to bring him on uh, right now, and we'll say hello. Patrick, are you there? I am here. Hello, Rex. Hello, Patrick. It is great to have you on the show today. I'm excited by the the things that we're going to talk about. How's your day going? The day, uh, the day starting very well. Um, um, we did a small ADR session today with uh, Patty Smith, the the rock singer, who was actually very nice, and uh, um, that's how the day started. And then um, you were next on the list, which is very <laughs> exciting. Oh, I follow <laughs> Patty Smith. Now that's cool. I like that. <laughs> Well, awesome. So, so an ADR session with her was it a music video that you were doing, or or, or a film, or what was? Can you talk a little it bit was, about? No, it's a movie called Angel Camouflaged, and it's okay. uh, it's about a, a rock singer who doesn't want to be in the rock business, but of course she goes back into it at the end. And uh, Patty Smith is her is playing Aunt Aunt Mary in a movie, and she owns this bar, and uh, she used to play there. And she dies in the movie, of course, uh, um, and that's basically the promise of the film. And um, <clears throat> that's her first film as an actress. Uh-huh. Uh huh. So she does. Uh, I think she does a very good job. She has done a lot of music videos before, but she said uh, she was actually a little bit nervous to to act as an actress with interact with people and stuff. So. So even if you've been in a business a long time and doing a lot of music videos, you still have the butterflies. Uh, that is true. Patrick, I'm going to ask if, if uh, you know, it's, it's actually a little hard for me to hear. So I okay. You get, there, that's better. All right. <laughs> there you go. Sound is so important. It, it is. <laughs> <laughs> it is. That's a, uh, and that is much, much better. Okay. So, uh, well, what a great way to start the day and then to follow with uh, uh, your appearance here in Rex Sykes Movie Beat must just really, uh, jet, you know, rocket you into the, <laughs> the coming weekend. <laughs> Very good. Well, I, you know, I'm sh I don't know if you have questions that your your fans already asked for on, on the Internet or, uh, I mean, there was so much to talk about. Well, let's start. Let's start with something that you know I don't think uh, people can hear enough about. I had the conversation last night around a campfire. We we do a, 
a dinner party film thing on Wednesday evenings, and I was I was sitting with the the the, the person whose fire pit it was, and and we were talking about how it never ceases to amaze us, especially in the world of independent film, uh, how frequently people forget the necessity of good sound, clear audio, and uh, great sound design, as well as uh, music. That it seems that especially young directors, by young I don't mean their chronological age, but, but new in the business, they're concerned with their shots. Hopefully, they're concerned with story and acting. Um, that's not always the case, too. You know, sometimes it's just getting a film out and edited. But, but one of the things where we live, too, is in the Midwest. I, I tra- I'm a transplant from L.A. It is hard. It is difficult to find good, sound people here, and script supervisors, <laughs> for that matter. But, but you know, I mean, there, there's, there's a lot of people who can shoot, a lot of people who can edit, a lot of people who can direct, a lot of people... But but getting someone like yourself, uh, can we talk about the importance of that in in movies, and then what it takes to create good sound, and and in terms of ADR sessions, or in terms of creating you know a sound design and designing you know and and mixing uh, tracks to to create because uh, it it you know it's it's so important to the finished product and it's so important to the story to the to the listener's involvement. Absolutely. Uh- Sound is a it's a combination of many departments, and uh, obviously it starts with the production sound from the shoot, uh, and uh, and even before that, to me, a good sound starts from the actors, because and I've told that to many actors who uh, come for ADR and they they ask me why do I need to redo that line, and that one the the way it started is this actor was knocking on the door and talking at the same time and he asked me what do I need to redo this line it's fine I said no it is not because you're you're talking and knocking at the same time and I said as an actor you should sound is part of your acting and you should be knocking and talking or talking and knocking but don't do both at the same time that's where a good sound starts to me and then there is the production mixer who needs to know his equipment and microphones and so it can capture a good sound. And then from that point on, it goes into the post-production. Patrick, I'm going to stop again. The volume keeps dropping out. Really? Wow. Yeah. I'm going to have to shout. I guess. Or fire the sound man. <laughs> I, it, I mean, it, it's hor- horrific to think that. I mean, we, we're discussing sound, and then I and then I can't hear you. That's uh, right. <laughs> well, I don't know where I dropped, but um, that's better. That's better. No, it's just that's better. It's just, okay. This is even better. The last of this better was much much better still. Okay. Um, and then you know the so from the actor to the production mixer. Production mixer ends up in the hands of the audio post uh, department. Uh, if we have good production sound to play with, that means we have less ADR to redo. That means we have a good. We have the original soundtrack that the director wanted and the actor performed. So that makes your movie better, right there, mm-hmm. on the sound side. And then from there, we just add whatever is needed to give the picture life, which is the ambience, the foley, uh, the sound effects, the sound design. And then the composer will add the music on top of all this. 
and we'll end up with a, uh, a nice, rich soundtrack. It's actually a simple process, but it's actually very technical and complica complicated. Well, in in uh, you know, some of your colleagues have appeared on the show and have given tips as you did, you know, in the, in the very beginning. You know, don't knock and talk at the same time. You know, do one or the other. Or when you're slamming something down on the table, do it in between your lines or after your lines or before your lines. You know, if you're hitting something. Um, it's, it's great advice, and some of the other advice was, you know, tape your shoes or don't wear your shoes when, when you know, when you don't have to if they're not being seen. Um, are there other tips or suggestions for capturing that good sound, or can I ask you what 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 should I look for? I'm, I'm going to produce a movie, and, and I have, you know, a limited budget, but I need to have somebody who can do sound. What should I look for in a, in a person who's who can mix, a good mixer who's going to listen? And should I record separately or should I be recording into my camera or, or you know, I mean, nowadays there's so many digital plugins and things like that. I yeah. There's many ways to record sound. Uh, obviously, uh, production mixing is uh, offers, uh, they have multi access to multi-track machines. So more separation you have, uh, I think the better it is. Um, so, you you know, you can pick and choose the tracks, eliminate a problem problematic track and stuff like that. Um, now for for the choosing a production mixer, I think it's a matter of uh, uh, probably recommendation is usually mm -hmm. a very good way. Uh, I've heard better sound on lower budget films than higher budget films for, for some reasons, and uh, you would think it, it it wouldn't be that way, but it was. So the the problem is, um, you know, it's I think it's a matter of knowing your equipment. That That's makes what perfect. It comes down to. No, well, but that makes perfect sense. But I mean, you know, some people, you know, I mean, I've been on productions where somebody holds, you know, a, a boom and a mic, and and they are also the mixer, and they're standing there holding the equipment, or they're holding the camera, and they're wearing headphones, and the and the and the you know sound is going into the camera, and I, I believe my my personal belief is it's hard to look out through a lens and also pay attention to the sound at the same time that they really should be. They're separated for a reason, so one person can tune into what's going on auditorily, and another person can tune into what's going on visually. Well, that's why you need a guy, uh, a team of sound, a production sound that knows their equipment, so you don't have to worry about it. Um, I am fortunate enough to have worked on a lot of movies, and people come back to me because they trust me, and I, I wouldn't let them leave my studio unless they were happy. Uh, so I think it all comes down to knowing your equipment, the passion of this, the work you're doing, and the satisfaction of pleasing your clients. Uh, so like in the old days, or, or maybe it's not even old days, but like the Nagra, I mean, people would have specific, you know, equipment to capture sound. Yep. And today, are they doing it, they're doing it more on disc or digital or on chip or? It is um, all the I would say all digital today. Um, they have um, different machines. Uh, the, it went from Nagra to DAT, which yeah, was yeah. A, still a tape, a digital format. And now it's all, I think, hard drive or DVDs. Uh, I think Blu-ray is, is also recording. So it's all and flashcards. So it's all uh -huh. hard, um, you know, all digital information that can be easily loaded from one machine to the other. But so I'm a young filmmaker. By that again, not chronologically, but I'm a young filmmaker. I decided I've got a camera. Camera. I've got. Uh, I go out and I buy a microphone. 
and should and and I buy and I and I go okay I'm ready to do a movie should I invest or have someone invest in sound equipment what you know if if I were to buy so I want a digital um, unit or something that can record separately from the from the film that I'm shooting it I guess it all depends on your budget <laughs> well right right I, I understand good point yes but I would say yes if you can separate the sound from the from the shoot. Uh, do, that would be better. Although you can record on the camera as a reference, and then have the more sophisticated uh, audio recording equipment on the side. Okay. All right. So we've, we're now on the set, and we're trying to make sure we get good sound. I asked you about some tips. Any anything that besides the the stuff we already talked about about capturing good sound? You said again, and I like the point that you said it, it does begin with the actor. Yeah, the, um, it does start with the actor, the projection. Uh, actors need to project uh, whenever possible. Um, also, the, the choice of microphones uh, is very important for the boom person uh, to make sure they don't use omnidirectional microphones because you're going to hear the same amount of noise uh, close up to the microphone and, and far away from the microphone. So. I, I've done production sound, and mm -hmm. I had a, a long shotgun uh, microphone. That's the only microphone I had, and I had great sound with it. So my experience is that knowing your equipment and using the right mic, uh, depending on where you are, especially if you're near a freeway or busy street or a noisy place, you want a very directional microphone to capture what's in front of my, the microphone and not what's around the, the actor. That's that's uh, that will save a lot of ADR at the end. Uh -huh. uh -huh. Now let's let's go to that then. Let's let's. Uh, I mean, I don't want to cut you off, but let's start talking a little bit about ADR. And now uh, people have to come in. They've got a loop. They've got a. They've got to replace dialogue. And um, what what makes for an, a successful uh, ADR session? Um. An ADR session, uh, same thing, it starts with the actor being able to redo his performance. Mm -hmm. um, that would be the first ingredient in, in the chain. And then the second thing is to try to duplicate the, the, the production sound, but of course in a, in, with a better quality. Um, I like to record with labs on the actor uh -huh. as if they had a lab on, uh, on the set. I duplicate exactly what was done there. So I get uh, the same kind of quality. It's not very clean usually, but that's, that matches production. That's what we want. Mm -hmm. If we were recording a singer, then we would want a very pristine microphone and clean recording sound. But for movies, it's totally different. We want the sound to be clean but not perfect. And the lab actually gives me personally that 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 little uh, grind that I like it, it, now that's if they use a lab on the set or if they're or if they're boomed on the set then you do then come back and use a boom in the ADR or, or, or I or I use both when I do ADR I use both at the same time I record on a stereo track and one oh, I see. track is the boom and the other one is the lav oh okay and it gives me a choice if ever I want to switch um, but I would monitor the lav and more likely, many movies today they use both. Also, the main actors uh, have labs. Yeah. 
No, that's a, that's a, that's a, a good point, a very good point. So w- when it comes to re-recording, I mean, uh, again, tips, suggestions, well, what do you do? I mean, I, I really like that, that you're, you're you know, I, I think a lot of people have missed that point, that you're trying to recreate the production sound, not get the, you know, a sound that sounds different. I, I the re- And one of the reasons is I did ADR in the last year on something, and and I watched it and went, you know, the ADR ruined it. <laughs> so it, it, it's more like a spaghetti western where suddenly my voice is different than the than what was going on in the production. And I, and you know, my argument was just go back and use the the, the inferior production sound because it made the performance better. But but uh, but so that's a very interesting point. Well, that's why I think uh, the production recording is very important. It has to be done right, uh, starting, like we said, with the actor and the production mixer, so you don't have to do ADR at the end because of technical issues. And I strongly recommend to filmmakers, although they always end up a gun and they forget about this, but to do live uh, wild recording on the set of the scene, for example, Gather the actors around the microphone and have them react, uh, uh, reenact their scene, but without the, the camera, just the sound, because there may be something in there that you can use instead of ADR. Again, again, a very good point. So you're doing the wild sound after the fact, or you know, I mean, while on the set, but yeah. after after the camera. After the scene is done, you know, because yep. the actors went through the scene many times. They did, you know, their sure. master, medium, close up, and close up. So now they have, uh, they have the role and and uh, the acting um, down. So they can just gather around the mic and redo the scene exactly more or less the way they did it throughout the day, and uh, that will avoid them to come back in the studio and redo uh, some lines that, uh, you know, will not will be fine, but it doesn't mean it's going to be better than the the production sound, which normally is better, because they were there, they are in that location, they were in the mood, all, you know, everything is there to make it the way it should be, versus ADR when you're in a, a dead, dead room in front of microphone, there's nothing to react to except TV, there is no ambience to react to because you're in, in that dead room. And that changes a lot of things. And you know, you're an actor, so you've been there. Right, right. Do you do anything, or does anyone do anything to help the actor recreate the scene in the ADR session? Um, I sometimes or they pretty play, much just throw uh, it up on the screen and go, go, go for it. Um, no, no. We we try to give them a lot of a lot of information. It's also hard for certain actors to go back into their roles six months later. So they we play the scenes for them we, with production sound uh, or sound effects if we have it available so they can, you know, we tell them, okay, you're near a freeway, you need to project a lot, you know, because you have carbides and trucks and so things like that. So they need to put themselves back into that particular location. Well, and it's and it's, it's incredibly difficult if you have a highly emoting scene where there's crying and choking and guffaws and sniffles yeah. and I mean you know all the stuff that goes on when somebody's you know in in that heightened state to to try and uh, redo or recapture something like that. Um, These are extremely difficult for a lot of actors to go back into that emotional moment. 
Um, some do it very well, um, but still, it's not the same as the real production sound. Right, right, um, right. You know, you're there interacting with another actor or actress, and that emotion is captured on film and recorded on, with sound. And if it's if it sounds good and looks good, uh, it's going to be hard to redo after. So that's why production mixers, if you're listening to me, please record a good sound. <laughs> yeah. That, you know, I mean, you know, people joke about we'll fix it in post or we'll do that. I mean, people, do, and, and now I think that that's become, you know, a pretty, I mean, most people are are aware that that is a joke and that not everything can be fixed in, in post. But I think that some people still seem to operate on the assumption that, you know, what they're doing in this moment can be, you know, somehow amended later, but the amount of time and effort and money and, and sometimes the fact that it can't be fixed um, has no. escaped them in in the moment of production. You're absolutely right. It, it cannot be fixed at 100%, and it is certainly costly um, to redo uh, for many reasons, the studio, bringing back the actor and everything. Um so it's it's um you know it's like uh, like a dp you know in europe i just thought of this in europe the sound supervisor is on the set when they are shooting the film something they don't do here in the us um having a sound supervisor on your set while filming is like having your dp behind the camera is mm-hmm. ensuring that you know things are being done properly that does sound like an, an, an excellent practice. I, you know, I, you know, I, and it, it does amaze me. I, I have talked with people, and they've told me, you know, that they always make sure that they have a sound person go with them on their location scouts, and that whenever they can, they will um, need to, uh, you know, have an editor, um, and um, you know, or have an editor on the set. You know, in other words, the more you can have up front. Uh, the better you are, and to have a sound su- post sound supervisor there at the same time uh, makes perfect sense. So what I'm going to do is um, we're going to take a short break, and uh, I'm going to give you some of the announcements, and then we'll be back with Patrick in just a second. You're listening to Rex Sykes Movie Beat Conversations with Filmmakers, where we discuss everything film and TV. And the official website is rex. S-I-K-E-S. Now, Patrick and I are going to do another one or two interviews uh, regarding sound. Uh, Just so you know, uh, there's more coming up, and uh, certainly looking forward to that. And one of my computers went down, so I'm not sure. Uh, Patrick uh, Giraldi is my guest today. The next guest will be uh, Director Terry Green. He directed uh, No God, No Masters. He directed uh, Almost Salinas and Heaven's Fall. We've had him on before. He'll be here again. Sam Whitmore, uh, who appeared with Sam Oster on our show, was in um, No God, No Master, as is Eduardo Ballerini, uh, as is um, Dwayne Journey, uh, the line producer, as was Scott Resnick, the script supervisor, and Curtis Smith, who's the first city, will be coming up. I mean, in other words, uh, Terry... Uh, is the director of this movie, and we've got a lot of people from cast and crew uh, already um, in the archives. So be sure to go back and listen to them 
and uh, and hear all about this, and then we'll catch up more with Terry in the next interview with him. Danielle Eskenazi is coming up, the commercial casting director, and then right after her is Sam Oster, writer, director, and cameraman, then follows Uva Bull, producer and director, and John Colley, visual effects supervisor of District 9 and Eclipse. By the way, I want to tell you that the Wisconsin Film Festival is happening the 14th to the 18th in Madison, Wisconsin, and Mike Madsdorf, who's a producer-director of a movie called Feed the Fish, uh, which will showcase there uh, this 16th at 10.15 p.m. We also have other movies, Mary Sweeney's Baraboo. She uh, was the editor that worked with uh, David Lynch on a number of movies. Uh, her movies there, No Names, another Wisconsin-based, I believe Hollywood-based Wisconsin production, uh, is also going to be showing, as well as many other things. You're going to want to, if you're in the area, be sure to... Um, Check into those offerings. I'm going to see if Patrick is back. Are you there, Patrick? He is not. Patrick has um, left the building, so to speak, but he should be back in just a moment, and uh, and we'll find out what's going on there. Are you here, Patrick? I am here. Oh, you here? There are. Very I am here. Good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I've and you know what? The you. sound is much much better here. Oh, good. Yeah. I got a new phone actually. <laughs> yeah. Very cool. Very cool. So uh, I just want to round up. Serenine Bruce, the producer director, will be back. Eduardo uh, Ballerini, who I mentioned, is coming back to join us again. And so uh, you're going to want to stay tuned for Movie Beat and tell all your friends and, and spread the word uh, so that they can tune in as well. So we were discussing um, having a post-production sound supervisor on the set. And, and I was uh, also saying that there people put editors and they put uh, re, you know mixers and sound mixers in places uh, – if they're smart up front where they where they will be of use best use like you know getting location sound before you get to the location finding out what it sounds like or having an editor in the, involved in the process before you finish your movie i mean it, it let me ask you this that's right well you know if you have a movie uh, you need your dp and then if you have a, a heavy visual effects movie you're going to have your visual effects supervisor there to make sure right. that Things are being shot properly for later uh, for the visual post production, but sound wise in America at least, uh, I I don't get hired until the movie is done uh, shooting, and that's where usually we start discovering problems, <laughs> sound problems. Um, in Europe, it's different. The supervisor, sound supervisor, is there from day one on the set, and he talks to the sound crew and they record a lot of uh, wild sounds from the location, so like cars, uh, doors, uh, footsteps in the houses, room tones, very important to have room tones. Uh, all these things are being recorded by the, the sound supervisor, uh, so they can be carried on later into the post-production. Uh, and when I worked with uh, Walter Salas, who did Motorcycle Diaries, I was so surprised to see, uh, to hear, actually, the production sound that was recorded. It was a French crew. They went to Brazil. They recorded so many practical um, locations and uh, devices that was that were used in the film um, that it you just you didn't need your libraries. You had it from the set, and that made a huge difference because well, that door uh, that. That knock on the door is that that door in the movie. It sounds like like it belongs there. I I like it. You know, I like it because it 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 is about 
having good practices. You know, there's a saying, you know, if, if, because habits are hard to break, uh, set good habits in the first place. And I think uh, filmmakers should do the same. Even if they're doing guerrilla film work with the, the, as little a budget as they, they, they have, you know, micro budget next to nothing or a no budget movie, to, to, to try and, 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 you know, it's one thing to do the best with what you got, but the other thing is is to plan and plan and plan and plan a lot and then, and, and then see what are the very best practices you can put into place so that as you become more advanced and as you have more experience and as you get larger budgets, all of those good habits and all those good practices are already, you know, entrenched in you. And I, and I, think, I, think, I, I think that makes an awful lot of sense, having a sound supervisor. I think the next time I, I uh, produce a movie or I, I'm hired on a movie, I'm going to argue for that. I think that makes perfect sense. <laughs> uh, let me yeah, add. It, 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 it is part of filmmaking, and especially on the little movies that don't have a lot of budget for post, it is even better, uh, strongly recommended to record the sounds while you're there because that 1965 Cadillac that you put in your film doesn't mean someone else will have it in, in their library. And so record it right there, right now. You know, make, make the effort after, after you're done shooting or on the weekend, take that car, record it so you have some sounds for later. The doors, the footsteps in a house who has a lot of wood, uh, all these little things will be used for sure. Well, I think you 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 have also made a point that that some of your colleagues have made earlier. I think it was Clancy or Dave Dave West or Clancy Troutman. Um But but you know the the idea being that um, nowadays with sound libraries, somebody like yourself who's attuned to it maybe more so than I would be or a regular audience member would be. You know, here's the same gunshots, the same screams, the same door openings. You know, they you know they, they were making comment because people use libraries and they they bring these in. Um, and that's great, but if you can if you can if you can bring it in, then it's unique, it's novel, it's 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 this it's 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 your own sound as opposed to, you know, a catalog sound. That's right. And it is part of being a sound designer. Sound designer doesn't mean you are creating a new sound out of sounds, libraries. A sound mm -hmm. designer is someone who go and record the sound even if it's only one sound, a car door or something, very simple. It's still part of the sound design because you're recording it. You have to go and clean it, make sure you know it's it's usable, and that's a sound design. And then you have the more the deeper sound design, which uh, are more demanding in the sense of creating new sounds that you've never heard before. I would mention like Star Trek; they had to come up with beeps and things like that that you you don't have in libraries. Uh, Matrix is full of sound design, so it, you have many different levels of sound design. But it always starts with recording one sound and then gets bigger from there, that point on. Uh, I love it. I love it. You know, and I think about things like you know, Alien or King Kong or something. Where you know, some special oh, yeah. creature special effects where the roar or the sound of the alien is a blend of of things. Or you know, you take I don't, I'm just off the top of my head, but you play an alligator backwards while you you know you while you mix a zebra, you know, you know what I mean? I mean, you put all these weird things, you know, we're together until you get the sound that you like and you've actually designed this, designed this new thing. I mean, that it, I think that's awesome. Yeah, I like uh, my approach for sound design is uh, when I have to create a sound out of multiple sounds, I like the three sound approach. And that's a, that's um, 
I'm thinking that sound is made out of high, medium, and low frequencies. Mm -hmm. So uh, if I have an animal, like a, I, just, I just did a, a sci-fi movie for my friend Jim Winorski, uh -huh. uh, and it was, uh, it was called, don't laugh, Dino Croc versus Super Gator. Uh, by, <laughs> well, I'm uh, sorry, I laughed, I laughed, I'm sorry. It's a funny title, and it's a Roger Corman classic movies. Cool. Um, and these movies, for me, are a lot of fun because they give us a lot of freedom to create sounds. Uh -huh. And for that movie, um, we basically did uh, a high-frequency animal and then a medium kind of roar and then a lower kind of roar. And when you blend these three sounds together, of course, they have to match and stuff in length. Uh, you end up with a nice, rich sound that will cut through the music, will have some bottom, and on top of all this, I added my voice, which I pitched down two octaves uh, lower, to add even more uh, more bottom, and also the the the, uh, the breathing of the animal because it's really hard to uh, to cut that with Pro Tools, so it's easier to grab a microphone and you do it yourself. Uh, so the animal sounds alive, but it, it's that three-step sounds that, for me, makes a big difference. It's not one sound, it's not two, it's three. The That's very cool. Number. Very, very cool. Um, now, I should say, we've got about 20 minutes remaining, and I, and I promise people we talk about, you know, sound design for the film Tekken, um, the yeah. different kinds of soundtracks, you know, for animation versus feature versus TV versus games. Um, what a sound supervisor does, how to create real 5.1 soundtrack, um, you know, and, and much more. But I also promise that we talk about David Lynch. Um, so in I got 20 minutes... David is, is an entire show by itself. <laughs> well, we, we have to do that. Maybe we'll start, David, uh, in a few minutes from now and, and, and continue on in another show. Uh, because there's a lot to talk about, and we're not going to get all of it in this. Let's ask this. Let's send, let me let me um, uh, ask you two things. You know, one is about your role as a sound supervisor and understanding the director's, the film's needs and the director's vision. Let's take those together, because I mean, you do you do a lot. I mean, you personally do a lot. I mean, you're designing sound and you're doing re-recording and and you're doing different. So so. Can you address those, and then, and then maybe toward the end of the show, if we have a little time, uh, we'll we'll start our talk on David Lynch. And yeah, it's uh, being a sound supervisor is a is a fairly complex job because um, I need to be aware of everybody's work, how they how they need to do it. So I started as a dialogue editor, and then I I was thrown around depending on the projects, you know, to edit Foley to edit ADR, uh, edit some backgrounds, uh, some effects as well. So I, I, from dialogue, I had to cover the other areas to understand how they end up together on the mix stage. So you started and, as a dialogue editor, you said? Yeah. And then you went to Foley and ADR and, and the different things. Okay, I'm, yeah, just to help some, you know, depending on the show, I was working at a, a place called Digital Sound and Picture, which was the uh -huh. pioneer in digital uh, uh, editing at the time, and um, you know when I had no dialogue to edit, um, they would put me on doing foley or cutting backgrounds on a show, things like that. So it really uh, opened up my my craft and made me realize, oh, okay, now you know it's not just dialogue; it's it's all these elements, and 
they have to be cut together and blend at the end on the mix stage. So they have to be cut right. Um, so that's why be- being a sound supervisor is you need to understand all the different departments. So right. if there is a problem or something that doesn't sound properly, you can tell the the Foley team and say, well, here you need to redo the feet because the wood is not the right one. We need that kind of wood, um, et cetera, et cetera. So that's what a sound supervisor should do. Supervise and, and understand everything. Awesome. And, and let me just take you back and explain what cutting background means for the listener. Okay. I'm gonna, let me talk about the different departments because sound is not yes. just dialogue. It's dialogue. That's production dialogue that needs to be uh-huh. edited. Then we have the ambience, the backgrounds, ambience. And that's basically anything surrounding the scene. So if you're in the mountains, you want wind, you want uh, lots of wind, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But different kind of winds. You don't have to have just a stereo track. We're cutting in 5.1 today. Every movie Ah. is cut in 5.1. So I have my background editor, Lisa, who I asked her, I said, um, you know, cut me a left and right front. Cut me left and right for the surrounds. And also one mono track for the center. And she places different kind of wind into one scene. So if you're when you're mixing and you hear just the backgrounds for that mountain scene, you're gonna hear the wind blowing in the different speakers at different times. And that makes the scene more uh realistic. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, by using each speaker so you hear, you know, like front left, you hear and then that wind moves towards the surround and stuff. So it's really moving. The sound moves. Uh, same if you're at the beach or a racetrack or wherever you are. These ambiences have to make the scene alive. And then you put your dialogue in there. And now your dialogue is surrounding, surrounded by this wind, so it feels like it belongs there. That's basically what sound editing is like, is to make sure that the characters belong to that scene, mountain scene, because it was shot on a soundstage. Right. And everything around it could be CGI or just fake. So we have to place them back into Mount Olympus here. Right. Now, But you're also layering, because, I mean, we're just, we were just talking about the wind in the background, but, I mean, if you were around trees, there would also be the, the, the chatter of the leaves as That's the right. wind blows. I mean, that would sound differently than grass blowing or, or wheat blowing, or you know, I mean, those different kinds of... Um, very true. Additional they, need to, they need to look at the picture and, and really catch, you know, the little details, the trees, the moving trees, the birds. Usually if you don't have any trees, you don't have any birds. The, tree, the birds live in trees. <laughs> Good point. Yeah. Normally. Right. Uh, and then if you have more grass than trees, you can put more bugs. <laughs> uh-huh. so it's all these little things that make a scene more alive than uh, than if it was not cut right. Uh-huh. If you're if you're on a lake, you want some frogs. If you're near the ocean, you surely don't want any frogs. But you may want gulls. Um, yeah. And flying <laughs> fish, but they don't make flying any fish. <laughs> so it's ocean frog you have to watch out for. Ocean frogs, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, well, let's do that then, because we're we're talking about this about what the the. But the, but the super does, and all the jobs that coordinated. And you brought up the fact about five one, and and part of it was 
how to create you know a real five one soundtrack. I don't want to to segue or distract you from what you're talking about, but but maybe with that in mind, uh, you know we we, we can proceed. Um. Well, five one is a standard today, uh-huh. and every movie, every every uh, budget, it doesn't matter if it's low or high, they want to have a five one soundtrack. Now it's a matter of same thing as before when we talk about the sound starts from the, the actors. Well, a good 5.1 soundtrack starts with the way it's edited. And uh, if you have a good, good editors cutting good backgrounds in 5.1, uh, you have at least 70% of the battle won right there because it will sound great literally by just putting the faders up. Uh, same for sound effects or sound design. Um, dialogue is center, so there is no problem there. Um, more likely, Foley is all center, so it doesn't. Uh, you can pan it, but it stays mainly in the center. Um, and the music, music in five one, has, gives your movie a very expensive dimension versus stereo. Uh huh. And that's something to consider for uh, composers to think five one. I think five one is a way of thinking. It's where um, where do you want to feel in the movie? If you want to feel, uh, for example, David Lynch told me one day because I was putting the backgrounds and the surrounds, and he said Mm-mm, the story's on the front. <laughs> <laughs> so we had to take the surround backgrounds and you know make it more front heavy. Um, <clears throat> so this is. You know, this little, uh, it's so complicated because it depends the vision of the filmmaker, it uh-huh. depends the needs of the film itself, and knowing all that, you can then create your soundtrack accordingly. It's and actually, how do you, I know these are complex questions, you know, uh, topics, yeah. but how do you, how do you, uh, how do you do that? How do you under, I mean, how do you get on the same page with the filmmaker and and their needs and and know what to do when? And I mean, I know it's a collaborative, and you, you know, and, and like you said, you may have done something, and the director might come along and go, no, no, let's do this differently. But but what way yeah, do you work with? It happens uh, all the time. <laughs> yes, it happens all the time. Um, well, it's, it could be also the difference between feature-style mixing versus television-style mixing, and now internet-style mixing. Uh-huh. Um, in a feature of movie, for movie theater, um, there is more. It's more sensitive. There was more feeling into the mix uh, versus a TV movie where they'd really want you to push that sound because their motto. Every channel is uh, TV channel is like they they use, they assume that when people change their channel they are attracted to sound before the picture. Uh-huh. So if you change your channel, channel two, four, six, blah blah blah, and then one channel sounds a little louder and has a better sound somehow, they're gonna stop and watch what is this? It's the attraction to attract people with sound. So like Xena, for example, these shows were mixed fairly loud and they had a lot of whooshes and very uh, characteristical sound design so by flipping the channels you would kind of recognize the the style of the soundtrack and then the internet is almost like a 
a rock rock and roll music record, they they compress the sound a lot because you're playing sound through very tiny speakers on your laptop. So if you had a style um, film style mix onto the internet, you wouldn't hear very much except the dialogue. All the ambience would be gone. All the sounds would be very low. So um, th these are the three main differences uh, of mixing styles. And so, so in your case, I mean, as a professional, you understand the, the medium. You know, you need to understand the medium that you're that you're producing for. You know, it's, yes. you know, it's going to be a feature film versus being on the internet, and and you. You you do it accordingly. Is that why you know it's it's I mean and and I I don't know the answer to it, but I mean is that is that why there's uh, I get a movie off the internet sometimes I I'm sitting there going I'm having trouble hearing it because it's just movie that that that's someone's right. showing. That's a, that's exactly the reason. Um, and I think any movie should be re remixed or or at least uh, mastered. Uh, from feature to internet because it looks like the internet is the next step of entertainment. Um, it, it is two different styles, so you cannot have the Internet mix play for theater and the other way around. It doesn't work. Uh, great, great point. I mean, you know, it's a great point because I notice that, you know, when I'm watching movies on the Internet or if I download something, I'm always reaching for my headphones and then, you know, <laughs> trying to crank the volume and going, I just, you know, I just don't hear it very well. And I know it's, it's, Different in the theater, you know. I mean, I, you know, but it. Yeah. it uh, well, and, good. And Thanks. You. Film, filmmakers need. Some of them do understand that. Some of them don't want. Don't even want to hear about TV or internet. They, you know, they want to stay in the feature uh, mode, which is fine. But it, you always have, as the sound supervisor, you always have to think about anticipate certain things. What will remain in the mix and what will disappear later? Because. Uh, Especially for the theatrical version, when you go down, uh, the background is basically the first thing you don't hear or lose by half. So all these birds, these winds, these room tones, they, they have a tendency to go away uh, dramatically. Um, the music also, if you have like a nice score, subtle, be ready to lose about half of it, especially, you know, under, you know, uh, 200 hertz, maybe higher all these frequencies are gone, and same for the highs, you know, past 10 or 12K. This is just, it, does, it disappears. I suppose uh, if you, go ahead, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. <clears throat> I was just going to say, I suppose if you had the budget and you could think in advance, you could say, well, you know, I've released this theatrically, but I'm going to, you know, ultimately it's going to be on DVD, so I'm going to create, you know, uh, a DVD track for television, or I'm going to create, you know, an, an additional you know, uh, soundtrack for when it gets on the internet. You know, and it would all depend, obviously, on cost and time and effort and all that to do that. But you know, I turn on the television and say this movie was edited for television, not just not for content, but you know, it's it's compressed for the screen or it's, you know, something something's happened to it. So it makes sense that that would happen with sound as well, I guess. Uh, yes, Although I, I never... think you're right. I think you're right. They, and they may do that at the TV station. That I'm not sure. But they may just, uh, I know they have limiters, so that they don't saturate the, the, the transmission. And they mm -hmm. may just, uh, you know, boost the sound on a fader or something like that to to, to have that power. But, of course, it's limited uh, and doesn't distort the, the, the transmission. Uh, but I, I think you, you, the idea, the ideal world would be to have 
literally two, if not three different mixes per movie, which is a theatrical if it goes there, then a DVD one, and the Internet version as well. Uh-huh. Yeah, Patrick, look, we've got about six minutes, and we've got you know a lot of Already? great. Wow. Yeah, time that is. Uh, time goes by, and and we got a lot of technical sub topics to continue to talk about. We'll do that in another show, okay? And then okay. we're going to have to do a, a special David Lynch show as well. But but since we promised David Lynch, let's let's take the next oh say five minutes or so, and okay. maybe you can talk because you you've done at least three movies. You did Mulholland Drive and Lost Highway, correct? And Straight Story. Yeah. Um, but you probably have some interesting David Lynch anecdotes I do. or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got to tell you, working with David, uh, uh, Lost Highway, I was just a dialogue editor there. I, I saw him and and stuff, but I was not the most involved movie I was uh, was doing for him. But still, it was a great experience. Um, uh-huh. But the Straight Story and Mother Holland Drive were definitely. I was at his studio working with him, and uh, uh, it was a definite. Uh, great experience, and, and still today, I'm 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 influenced by what I've learned working with him. That's cool, I mean, and I'm going to throw out a huge, big, general, vague question: what you know, what are some of the things you learned from him? I mean, you know, because he he does so many different things. I mean, he's a visual artist, but he is also into sound and into music and into you know. I mean, he's got he seems to be very well rounded in that regard. I'm 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 fascinated yeah. and curious. Uh, he's very much a sound person, and which is great because you can really work with him on the sound. Um, what I've learned is that the story is in the front of the screen, not in the back. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, if you have a good good story, you don't need all all the surrounds and the ex you know channel center in the surround and stuff. It, the story is in the front, and that's where that's where people look. And um, every time. When I work on a film and I put too much surround and stuff and I get distracted by it, I try to. Re- this comes back to me and I say, the story's on the front. I don't want people to look around, uh, turn around, and say, oh, there was a door knock there, you know, just because it sounds cool. And that's it's a very specific effect. Uh-huh. The story's on the front, the actor's on the front, the emotion is on the front. And that's where that's people should be looking. That's a good point. You know, now I, I've always said that television grew up because of Twin Peaks, and and I one of the things that had always I thought was one of the components of Twin Peaks was the sound, not just the music. I mean, because I love the music, but 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 he had a sense of creating story through sound and through things that you know. I mean, apart from the quirkiness of the stories, you know. Um, and when you look at something like Lost Highway or Mulholland Drive or, the, or his movies, the, the, the role that sound plays in his uh, pictures to set the mood uh, and and the attention he gives to the music to set the mood. I mean, not everybody likes his narrative, you know, in terms of the way it flows, but uh, they are definitely always very affected by his 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 offerings. Uh, well. There's one thing that maybe some people don't know, but David mixes his own music, and he loves. Um, he has a, lo- a big library of music that he owns and composed, and um, and he has that on a on a Pro Tools session, and he brings up, uh, you know, these moods and these sounds that are very weird sometimes, and and create new scores out of it. So these these music elements become. Uh, almost ambiences of music, and uh, and he likes doing that to make you feel a certain way. That's basically 
his intention is to make you feel the way he wants, or at least try to bring you there with musical sound effects or musical uh, tones. That's what he does. Well, sound has such, I mean, I, I think people, because I think sound, it so pervasively affects us. I mean, we're, we, you know, we listen to music and we get motivated, or we listen to music and we get, you know, relaxed, or we get, you know, charged, or we get sad, or we get, you know, all these different kinds of things through music. But sound, you, you can take a visual of a car careening down a road or, or slamming on its brakes, and without the sound, it has no... It doesn't have as much impact. Let me put it that way. But you could take the screeching of tires and play that without the picture, and you immediately have this kind of visceral reaction to what's going on. It's like the, the, what they say in, in in human: the sound of a gunshot or a backfire will put people immediately into trance. It's the kind of thing that they will immediately just kind of space for a second when they hear this loud bang. It, it interrupts their programming. So yep. sound has sound has a, you know an incredible effect on the human nervous system. Sound is all around you, and I told that to my my cousin in France. I told her because she saw me recording ambiences and stuff at her house. Because I told her your house sounds really cool, and and she said, "What do you do?" And I said, "Well, because there's sound is all around us. There's no quiet place unless you go in a dead room, soundproof. But then you you would go crazy after a while." And um, Sound is all around us, and it's part of our lives. And uh, certain sounds do trigger some emotions, uh, and uh, like a gunshot or, uh, or a tire squeaks or things like that. But also, sounds that we've heard in movies mm-hmm. are, are still in our mind. Like if you think of uh, the, the 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 knife glove of Friday the Thirteenth on the on the on the board, it, it's that screechy sound. Right. It's gotta, if you hear something similar to that, that's the first thing you're going to think about if you've seen the movie. Right. So the 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 effect between reality and movies is there all the time. We have to awesome. refer to something. That's awesome. You know, and we've begun this exploration, and I really appreciate it. We actually right out of time. We've got less than a minute here. <laughs> So I'm going to have to say thank you, and I'm going to tell the the listeners right now that you're going to be back. We're going to announce it uh, on the website and uh, during shows about when you're coming back, and uh, and we'll continue this discussion. We'll talk more about David Lynch. We'll talk more about the technical stuff that uh, we said that we would. But I, I want to thank you so much for being a part of this today and for sharing your expertise and your knowledge. And I look forward to the next back together. All right, thank you very much, Rex. It was a great pleasure, and I'll be back anytime you want. Oh, that's awesome, and and uh, it was exciting to to find out that I followed Patty Smith this morning. So that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> you have a fabulous weekend. Thanks, Patrick. You too. Thank you. All right. Later. Bye bye. Again, I, I want to thank Patrick uh, Giraldi. Uh, Girardi, I'm sorry. Uh, he's a fascinating guest, and there's so much more about sound and sound design and post sound supervision that that we're going to cover. And promised you so. Uh, stay tuned and and watch the uh, the website rexsykes.com and listen to the shows to find out when Patrick will be back. Also, Facebook, Twitter, and MySpace, and uh, go ahead and help share it uh, whenever and wherever and however you can through your favorite means. We've got many more exciting guests coming up in the future, and you can become a member of the Rex Sykes Movie Beat Facebook group by clicking on the group link at my profile on my Facebook page, as well as uh, Rex Sykes Movie Beat Friends. Um, if you're in Wisconsin, join the uh, Keep Wisconsin Film 
friendly cause that's on my site. That's important for Wisconsin residents. And everybody, I want you to have a fabulous day. Make your movies, complete your projects. Until we meet the next time, that's a wrap.